everyone, and welcome for the, to this webinar today. I'm Francis Seeley from MCAT, Hill Climate Action Forum, and today we're going to talk about the climate emergency and how, in fact, you see whether people who are tackling the climate emergency are doing it effectively or not. And we're talking to Climate Emergency UK today, who work with local authorities particularly, and try to measure, assess, scrutinise how successful they are in their climate emergency plans. And we've got Isaac Bevo with us today, and he's going to talk to us about the work that they do. So welcome, Isaac, and, and thank you for joining us today. And maybe you could first tell us very briefly what Climate Emergency UK is. What is it as an organisation? Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you, Francis, for having us. It's a, it's a privilege to be here, and uh, it's great to speak to you and hopefully all the listeners um, who will be able to share what our work is and, and um, how it's useful for them. Um, so I'm Isaac Beevil, um, a Campaigns and Policy Officer at Climate Emergency UK. And basically our mission at Climate Emergency UK is to help local authorities um, take greater climate action and to encourage and support them to do so. Um, and as the CCC report recognised, local authorities have around um, a legislative power or influence over around a third of emissions in their districts. So they have a really key role to play. Um, and Climate UK is there to try and support them to take that greater climate action. Okay, you've actually told us what your your role is, which is great. So, I mean, are you there really to um, help local authorities or to assess how successful they've been or both? Yeah, um, th that's a really interesting question. And I think we are, um, we are see each our, ourselves as both and our projects kind of toe, uh, sit on both sides of that spectrum as well. So our first like big project um, was collating the climate emergency declarations that councils had done to encourage them, more councils to take more, um, to declare more climate emergencies. And then our second big project was working with my society on the climate action plan database where we collated all the um, local authorities climate action plans from across the UK. And our third was the climate action plan checklist, which is we created the best practice or we, what we thought was the best practice into a checklist um, uh, to again encourage councils to kind of review their own climate action plans and support them and show the best practice from across the country. So there's that support role that we have. And then with the scorecards, we've kind of taken that um, scrutinising line of seeing like, well, what actually are climate, the climate action plan saying, what are councils saying they will do, and, and hopefully we're going to move on into actually assessing and scoring action in future years. So we'll be uh, scrutinising and seeing whether councils kind of live up to those pledges they have in their climate action plans and whether they go further. And But we also see that as a supportive role too, because we are high, the scorecards themselves highlight the best practice from across the UK in terms of climate action plans. And we know and we built the tool with council officers and councillors in mind so they can use the scorecards to go, well, hey, let's review our plan. Let's see how we can get better. So we definitely see ourselves as kind of uh, straggling, both scrutinising, but also supporting. Well, I gather that something like 325 local authorities have produced plans of one kind or another. So yes. how, how is it possible to compare the quality of those plans one with another? Yeah, it's, it, it's a, that's a really good question. It is really difficult because, as you can imagine, the climate action plans across the country vary. Uh, they come in all shapes and sizes and all types of quality as well. 
um, and that can be really difficult. But what we did is we based our methodology off of the climate action plan checklist, which was kind of um, expert approved. You know, it was done in support of uh, Ashton, um, APSI, uh, Centre for Alternative Technology and Friends of the Earth. And what we did was we researched a lot of uh, and read a lot of local authority climate action plans. And we took out the best bits that we thought that each of those climate action plans did to create that checklist. And then what we did for the scorecards this year was we took um, we took that checklist, distilled it down into what we thought was really important, and um, created the methodology for the scorecards. So it's kind. It, we started with the basis of this is what we think the best ever climate action plan would cover with the checklist, and we took that and created the methodology for the scorecards to be like actually, hopefully this is what councils are putting in there and, and showcasing which ones have say done that really well and also then um which ones maybe haven't gone so well so you you took best practice of local authorities and used that yeah. as a basis to develop your scorecard how yes. could you verify how could you know how accurate those best practices are how did you know that what you were setting up was yeah. you know uh, authentic yeah yeah it's a really good question um i think it's because we kind of we tried to so with the checklist for example and what we based the methodology on we tried to make sure that everything we were putting in there was at least coming from at least one local authority plan and we had seen it in a lot of the time most of the time we had seen it across many different local authority plans and um for example obviously what what a council says in the plan might not be what actually happens in practice and we know that's one of the limitations of this year's scorecards and that is why we're hoping for next year to actually move on to assess actual action so for example we we um mentioned in the action does the action plan link to or integrate uh, mention the local plan because we think that's really important that the local plan is highlighted within the action plan and the potential uh, development um, the things you could do with the local plan to encourage um emissions to go down then we also ask like is the is, is there a commitment in there to update the local plan with the climate emergency at the heart of the local plan and the decisions that are therefore made and obviously you know a plan can a climate action plan from a council can say oh um we were going to update the local plan with the climate emergency at its heart or at its center and make it center of all decisions that doesn't necessarily mean it's the case but we think it's a really important commitment to make within the climate action plan that council makes that the most important if the council makes that commitment it's then the basis and the foundation for them to go on and hopefully actually make turn that into action if the council does not make that commitment there's just there is then no basis for them to move on to turn that into action so that's why we start with the plans and we think the climate action plans were really important and are a really important part of what local authorities are going to do um, but we know that in future years we're hoping to actually assess action to make sure that they are actually kind of doing what they will say as well so so you have a strategy where you sort of have a scorecard and then you look at whether the local authority is going to do something positive in terms of their action plan and did you say i'm mean, really interesting you said you have worked with councillors and officers in developing this so you weren't out there on an ivory tower shut away you worked cooperatively in developing yeah. your method did you yes absolutely we had councillors and officers in every engagement consultation we had um, and we thought it was really important. We, we also reached out to groups like uh, the ADEPT Networks, that's the Association of Directors of Environment Planning and Transport, I believe. 
um, and we asked them to um, to put out a question around the scorecards and provide feedback to us, um, you know, anonymously. And we also asked the Collective for Climate Action, which is a huge network of civil servants to um, advertise um, and, and provide any feedback they had from uh, council officers, because there's around 150 councils on the Collective for Climate Action. But also, yeah, we invited them to be part of our consultation sessions as well. And, um, you know, we had, and then we had in all of our consultation and pre-launch sessions, we had around um, 150 plus councils there that at least were able to be briefed and provide feedback and ideas around that. And we did take that on board. One of the big things we constantly were getting was we can't compare apples and oranges. A district council is going to be very, very different from a unitary based around funding and powers. And therefore, you can see on the scorecards, we've actually created the five lists, um, the single tier authorities, unitaries, um, district councils, county councils, because we didn't feel like it was um, fair to put them all in one big table uh, because of those differences in funding and authorities, uh, funding and powers. And we, um, we also introduced the right of reply stage, which is one of the things we got in an early piece of feedback, which is where we took that first assessment and we sent it to council every council across the country to be able to actually respond and give feedback and query any marks. Uh, it's not necessary that when they did query it, we automatically were like, yeah, that's great. We obviously then looked at the plan and see if it did meet our criteria, but we queried those marks, but we allowed them to query those marks. We think that, yes, we've always worked collaboratively to create the scorecards. But you, you also did a comparison in a number of sort of topic areas like governance, adaption, diversity. Yeah. Take one example, community engagement, which is one of the areas that you tried to compare. I mean, how do you go about giving a score for community engagement? Yeah. So, yeah, so what's one of the key things around the Council of Climate Plan scorecards this year um, is that we're only marking what's in the plan or what we could see on the web page that the plan was linked to. Um, so... Uh, in terms of the community engagement section, we're asking, you know, it, was there a clear plan for the council to engage with the community? You know, was there a commitment, say, around the citizens' assembly that mentioned in the plan that they were going to create, or a climate action form that they were going to invite community residents to be part of? And if it said that in the plan, there are maybe awarded points. And, and or on the web page, was there a clear thing that said, here is the consultation we ran, and here is the feedback we got that showed there was there had been a clear commitment in the run up to the plan that it involved the community. And then, of course, we were also asking of what their plan is going forward in terms of um, are they looking to engage citizens and, and residents um, with the plan going forward and involve them in the decision making going forward, for example, through citizen assemblies or climate action forums. And so, again, we, but we were only looking at what was said in the plan itself. And hopefully, again, in future years, we're hoping to assess the actual action of how they have uh, actually uh, implemented that uh, community engagement and communication profiles. OK, but I mean, clearly, you're not the only organisation that does yeah. comparisons and CDP is a, a huge organisation does that. And it um, used different techniques to yours. It uses an ESG rating scheme. Um, I mean, what is the difference between that scheme and the way that you operate? Yeah, yeah. So the CDP, I'm, I'm not an expert in the common disclosure projects methodology, although I have seen them for a few years and have looked at results even before I worked at Climate Emergency UK. 
Um, but the CEP is basically like a self-assessment, a self-reporting tool. And so you will go on, the councils will submit information to the CDP and then they will, um, and they will submit where they think they've met the different criteria methodology and then the CEP will kind of verify that and release the results. Um, so that's the big difference is we aren't asking councils to submit things to us. We are going to councils and seeing what's publicly available. And that's also the key difference here as well. Um, you know, we are asking in this, in the council climate plan scorecards, we were asking a big part of what we wanted to do was encourage councils to have climate at, uh, hubs on their website where you could go as a resident and find everything the council was doing. And so we had a very like strict rule that we would only mark the action plan. Uh, we would only mark what the, uh, the web page that was linked to the action plan, but the way action plan was found on. And we'd only uh, see if there are any relevant strategies such as the biodiversity strategy or the air quality action plan. If it was linked from the action plan or if it was linked from the same web page the action plan was hosted on. Obviously, as the CDP, it's a self-reporting uh, self tool. Uh, councils could submit any number of strategies or actions they've taken um, that could be, could be found anywhere. Some may not even be publicly available at that time. Um, whereas with council climate scorecards this year, because of how we were hoping to encourage councils to have climate hubs on their website, we were saying, look, we're going to mark your action plan and we're only going to mark the relevant strategies if it's clearly linked from the action plan or the web page. And that's like a key difference, I think, that between our methodology and the CEPs. The other thing, obviously, is we were looking in a much more holistic way, whereas the CEP, you could focus on different sectors, I think, as councils. We were looking at it as the whole broad range. You know, what is the community engagement like? What is the governance like? And we were assessing councils across all of those different sections at once, rather than relying on, say, self-report. In a way, it can cause a bit of confusion in the, the sort of punter out there who's, uh, you know, looking at what you all do. Because in Enfield, for example, you've given a, a below average rating, whereas yeah. CDP has given it a very high rating. I mean, yeah. why do you get that sort of discrepancy? Because people will think, well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure whether Enfield is doing well or not. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I looked at the CEP rating um, around Enfield as well, so I appreciated you sending that on because that's really helpful. Um, and I think that they the CEP only gave them a, um, uh, a high rating in terms of mitigation and adaptation. And if you look on the Council Climate Scorecards in our mitigation and adaptation section, uh, Enfield have also kind of um, either got the average or just above average as well in terms of having mitigation adaptation strategies. Um, whereas the scorecards themselves take into effect that that governments, governments, um, community engagement, uh, funding, um, and and also say the ecological emergency too, um, and diversity and inclusion. And so where the CDP has kind of awarded um, Enfield a, a high score around mitigation adaptation, um, that's kind of linked to what the scorecards have said as well in terms of Enfield score, but there's also improvements that Enfield can make across the board in terms of their climate action plan. And, and as I said, if because it's a self-reporting tool, the CDP, when Enfield were reporting to CDP, they may have been able to send in a far broader range of strategies and actions they've taken, whereas this year we were only focusing on the action plan and what was in the action plan. I think that's like a key distinction. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it 
interesting that uh, CDP gave Enfield a high rating on adaptation because they had no adaptation plan. They had a mitigation plan, but they no, had no adaptation plan. So how can you assess adaptation when they, like other local authorities, for example, do not have an adaptation plan? Yeah, so um, what, from looking at the scorecards, Enfield had adaptation actions included within their climate action plan or they awarded marks based on adaptation actions they had within the action plan that was i think based around some adaptation action around building and planning and land use that they said they would take and i think that's probably where the where where we awarded marks in terms of adaptation and likely that's what they've also submitted to the cep but i wouldn't know um for definite yeah i mean some of us felt that adaptation was a footnote to the mitigation plan rather than a real adaptation plan yeah but, that, yeah. but, but that's another point i mean i mean you talked about cdp or the esg method as being one self-referral which raises serious questions um is yours a different approach in the sense that it's a bottom-up approach it's a sort of citizen science approach would yeah, you describe yeah. it as that yeah, we, that's exactly how we did start thinking about it. Uh, quite late on into the scorecard, actually, someone else said, oh, it's kind of like this big data science approach you've got. And we were like, oh, we've never, we had actually never thought of ourselves like that. And yeah, that's exactly what it is. You know, we were relied on a lot of um, hard work and research to get all the climate action plans together and create that database in my society. But then also we relied on volunteers with the scorecards to be able to actually mark, assess, um, and find any action plans we may have missed and so absolutely that's how we would think of ourselves as a big data science approach you know we are approaching this as a resident we are going to the council seeing what is publicly available what is easy to find like and we're hoping to encourage the councils therefore to make climate action hubs on their website but also make things really easy to be able to see everything the council is doing around um, their plans their actions they're taking and uh, what they're doing to reduce emissions within the community. There are some councils that do it quite well. Some of the London councils, I think Lambeth has quite a big climate action kind of hub on their website. Somerset County Council um, has a really good climate action hub as well. Uh, Devon um, as, well, as well, where you can go and you can just see all the, all the achievements and, and things that they've done, but also all the strategies and things they're taking forward, which I think is really important because the more information you can give uh, to residents, the more they can ho hold their councils to account, but also the more they'll be able to see what their own councils are doing as well. And I think that's really, really crucial thing to encourage more uh, action and also, I guess, hope in terms of the climate emergency and being able to reduce emissions. Yeah, I mean, I think Kevin works for the University of Exeter, which has a really, really good department there. And they also work with Cornwall as well, that uh, yes. tends to follow um, uh, the, the different approaches which are quite creative. I mean, the, the problem with the citizen science approach, though, is it can be partial, can't it? Because it depends on you getting the volunteers in the right place. Yeah. And it, it, there's a problem of consistency, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. We And we recognise that as well. So we had a rule that no, uh, no one could mark or audit the council that they were based in. So we asked volunteers, like, what council they're based in. We said, you know, we couldn't um audit or mark the the actual council basin because obviously obvious reasons around bias whether for or against um but then also yeah there's issues of consistency with any large group of volunteers and we had you know over 100 amazing volunteers take part in this project who we are so grateful for their work because it wouldn't have happened without them 
but we do recognize that we have over 100 people doing something you're going to get discrepancies you're going to get people uh you know even the understanding of one word to say what is a strategy people are going to view that in different ways based on their own beliefs and understanding but that's why we included the right of reply so we were able to send it to councils and say you know if you have any queries please raise them now if we've missed any plans please raise them now so that helped in terms of improving the quality of our mark and actually being able to see where we may have made uh, people may have made mistakes or there may have been errors in marking and then we also had the audit so we had a three-stage process where we um, did the first mark with a large group of volunteers uh, so it's 120 volunteers we then had the right of reply stage where we sent the first mark assessment to councils and then we had the third stage which is where we had a much smaller group of volunteers around 20 who had all taken part in the first mark had all marked around five action plans themselves and we basically audited the first mark and the right of reply where the councils had responded and we then awarded the final mark in the audit with a much smaller um, much more experienced group of volunteers including staff and so we we knew that discrepancies and inconsistencies would be an issue and we tried to mitigate that with the process we had but in, in the ESG approach, you also have problems as well, don't you? Because it's a top-down approach and it's based on self-referral and that could easily be manipulated. In a way, you have a bottom-up approach, a public engagement approach, and they represent two different philosophies of how you should involve the public in the climate change crisis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, um, we were, as I said, we were so we were so fortunate and so proud to have so many volunteers uh, get involved in the project. We were, we were actually kind of overwhelmed. We weren't expecting it at all because, you know, local authorities aren't the most sexy part of climate action. And the local authority action plans also can be quite dry, boring, quite long. You know, some of these strategies go over 100 pages. Um, I think Islington was, is around 120 pages. It's really, really long and they're really dense and can be quite difficult to understand. But that's one of the things that, that, so we were inspired and actually really encouraged by how many people wanted to do this task um, and actually, you know, spend their evenings marking climate action plans or, you know, and and, that, and some people were stayed with us the whole six months and, and were really, really uh, key to making sure this project um, actually, you know, got off the ground. Um, but we also realised and, and recognised that, that these volunteers like took a lot away from it, you know, um, we provided training around actually being able to mark and assess climate action plans and so many people afterwards were like actually i've understood what local councils can do so much more and, and i'm actually kind of encouraged by being able to see what councils are doing and, and and what the really good practice is and and you know some people then got in touch with us to be like oh i'm asking my council to do this i'm presenting my council on this could you just provide some support and of course we did and we was that was something that was really encouraging for us going forward because we're like, actually, we've had an impact. They've had an impact on us in terms of actually making sure the scorecard project happened. But we've also been able to, you know, plant those seeds in those different communities. And hopefully that inspires greater action at their own councils, because you've got some really decent experts now across the country who have actually assessed so many climate action plans across the UK. And I think that's that was really great. And, you know, you, you talk about your volunteers. Where do you get them from? And I noticed you said you provide yeah. training as well, which is interesting. But how do you find your volunteers? Yeah, um, <laughs> um, we, we, we just took a, a kind of 
a quite normal strategy to it, to which we we ask different networks like um, students organizing for sustainability so the SOS which is linked to the NUS to share in case any students who may have been taking relevant degrees were interested and we ask like partner organizations um, like my society to obviously share as well and also like allies like Centre for Alternative Technology to share opportunities around volunteering. And then we just did it online. You know, we just had it on the normal volunteer websites like charity jobs, et cetera, and um, through our own website and social media. And, and people seem, we got, you know, quite a lot of applications of people who are really interested to know. Um, we also ran a, a, a short policy programme where we brought in experts, uh, people that were former um, planners, head of planning at councils, um, we had some from the CCC come and talk, some from the you know, Centre for Alternative Technology um, come and talk to us around um, and our volunteers around like, you know, what councils were doing, what councils could do. And so we ran this policy programme as well, um, where we provided um, even greater training than we did for all our volunteers. And so we had a lot of people sign up to that. And that is how we actually got the majority of our plans marked was through a, um, around... 40 to 50 volunteers who took part in the policy program who then marked the, the vast majority of plans in that first mark. Um, yeah. So in an area like uh, Enfield where I live, you, would you welcome more volunteers to work with you to do yeah. follow-up work on, on the work you've already done on their climate change plan? And is, something, is that something that you, know, you and I could work together on to try and achieve in Enfield? Yeah, well, sure. Like our methodology is completely public online. It's, it's on our website, the councilcarmatscorecards.uk forward slash methodology. It's all online. So if people do want to make their own assessment of any plans that are released um, now or later, you can completely do that. And please take our methodology and just use it going forward. Um, but of course, um, we are hoping to mark actual action of councils and what they've taken next year. And we hope we will need a, a big group of volunteers again to be able to assess the actual action that councils are taking across um, the UK. So we're starting um, the process around the methodology now and we'll be going out to consultation. We will be contacting different campaigning groups and, and residents and councillors and officers and experts and, and organisations. And then next year, we're going to need a huge number of volunteers again to be able to actually assess what councils actual action is in terms of reduced emissions so absolutely we welcome as many people to get involved with us as possible because we think our work is obviously really worthwhile but we we also know that our volunteers and other people think so too so yeah okay well we'll, we'll certainly try and help you get volunteers in yeah. this area because i think following up on the action plan is absolutely critical and you also work with big organizations don't you i mean xr i know but you work with you know friends of the earth and so on and and how do they help you develop what you do so it's uh, successful yeah. yeah totally so we've recently just joined something called the blueprint coalition which is a group that's that's kind of spearheaded by friends of the earth and ashton around um, so kind of um, encouraging the government to give more resources and, and funding and powers to local authorities around climate change. And we're really, really, we are really proud to be part of that coalition as well. Um, and in terms of the support they provide, um, that, you know, they were, a lot of them were part of our uh, consultation. You know, we, we sent our methodology to kind of the experts within those bodies to say, you know, are we missing something or um, is there something we haven't flagged or what do you think about this? Is this too harsh, too fair or is, is it too soft? Like what do you, and so we got a lot of feedback from 
you know, people within those uh, big organisations like Friends of the Earth and Ashton and Centre for Alternative Technology around uh, what we're doing. And we will continue to do that going forward as well um, in terms of asking, you know, these groups that, that, um, that have been here for obviously quite a while and have that policy expertise as well to um, kind of uh, provide that feedback on the methodology and, and uh, expertise in those areas that we're yeah. Okay, well, we've sort of come to the end of our half hour now. So let me ask you finally, if anybody wanted to, you know, find out more about what you do, they wanted to yeah. volunteer to help, or they, they just wanted to find anything about you, where would they go? So you can go on our website, which is obviously www.climateemergency.uk. And we uh, often keep that updated with what the latest things are that's going on. Um, and you can also sign up to our newsletter, which we send out around once a month, which contains the latest updates of what we're doing. So, um, yeah, you can sign up on our website um, to join our newsletter and obviously social media as well. Um, Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram. And people can message on the page and we will respond on there as well. And obviously you can email us at declare at climateemergency.uk. So if anyone wants to get in touch or has any questions on the scorecards or anything in particular about the council or the, the further work we're doing, you can reach us at all those different channels. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for doing that, Isaac. I mean, that's been a really interesting interview. And I think the work you're doing and working with local authorities and not just local authorities, but through volunteers, the communities within those local authorities is really important in finding out exactly how successful those local authorities have been in the implement implementation of their plans and indeed the development of their plans. So I hope, you know, you'll be successful and I hope we in M for Climate Action Forum can work with you uh, to develop what you're doing in our patch of the world as well, because I think that would be valuable for us and uh, and really important too. So thank you for doing the um, the uh, uh, webinar interview, Isaac, and uh, I hope people will look at your site and join up and help because it's a great project of public engagement, of citizen science, of actually engaging people in the problem and not letting them think it's someone else's problem it's all our problem so thanks isaac and it's been no worries great. i appreciate being here thank you for the opportunity okay and we'll end this interview now